that'd be shorts weather in Canada. You sound just like a Canadian. They're built for the regular season. They're a well-oiled machine. In my humble opinion. Also, if you haven't heard, Jason Tatum six ten. On wax for the world to know. Oh man. Honestly, guys, you sound like a girl who's scared of love. I am a girl who's scared of love. It's theirs to lose. I think they're a high ceiling, low floor. I'm gonna make a joke because I am a glutton for punishment. They're just the massacres, bro. That shit was bonkers. I'm not gonna do what y'all did, Alonzo. But it's a new day, gentlemen. Because the bright future suns are finally fucking here. Welcome back, everybody, to the Charity Stripe Commentary. And this is your host for today, Sean Lawler. I'm joined by East Coast elitist Trey Hill. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Not too bad. Not too bad. How are you enjoying the coastal life these days? Oh, the city life is definitely much more my speed. I'll, yeah. I'll say that, yeah. Um, I thought the Eastern Conference dig was bringing up the fact that I've loved the Bucks for so long at first. No, I didn't realize that it was a move thing. I thought it was a you love the Bucks thing. Well, yeah, you did. And the ATL Atlanta, that blew up in my face. The comment I made when I finally published the last episode, hoping that they would win and they decided to go 0-2 in the games after that. That was that was tough. But we'll let's start off with the NBA Finals preview. I think the Bucks are uh, were the adversary for Phoenix. I'm going to have to ride the bright future suns in this one. Um, but the Bucks. They they showed some things without Giannis in those last two games, and I think they're going to make it a series for sure. I'm very excited. How about you? Bucks and six. Bucks and six. Bucks oh and six. Even if Giannis doesn't come back, I'm going to ride with my Bucks and six. The Suns, they, they're a lot of fun to watch. They play really great offense, and – some of the shots they make, like it's it's a lot of fun to watch them play. The Bucks, it's it's definitely more of a rock fight, and it's not pretty. It's not fun to predict them to win, but Lopez showed his ability to switch on to Trey Young. If you can switch on to Trey Young and hold your own, you can switch on to anyone that the Suns have and hold your own. And with the length they have being able to disrupt their passing lanes, the Suns, they are second in the playoffs for their two-point shots being assisted. So almost all of their two-point shots, basically, unless it's a Chris Paul corner, elbow corner jumper, they're getting assists, assisted on two-point field goals. The Bucks have the defenders with the length and the awareness to really disrupt those passing lanes and to make life difficult on the Suns, just like they did the Hawks. So I'm defense wins championships, and that's what I'm rolling with. No, that's that's a good point because you're exactly right with the they have the length with Bobby Portis coming in for Giannis. Bobby Portis is long. Um, obviously, you'd love to have Giannis out there, but I thought the Bucks were did something in game five and six that was surprising because without Giannis, because you would think without Giannis, they're done. That was kind of the prevailing thought. And I just saw a team that played better offensively, if you will, like Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday seemed to be unlocked by the fact that Giannis wasn't out there with the gravity he has towards the ball. 
the ball almost has to be in his hands. And that's kind of the way the offense runs like a Luca, if you will. And Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton, and especially Brooke Lopez in game five, like the way he played offensively in game five was just outrageous. And we talked off there that I think Giannis kind of has to embrace that kind of role for the team to be truly successful. He settles too much, I find, and tries to do too much. And the way that they flowed in game five and six had the ball moving, I I think it's very dangerous for the Suns if that happens. Giannis is a is a really good passer. He's not an excellent playmaker. And when you add that in with everything else, Middleton and Holiday, they both have better handles. They they're both better at creating their own jumper. Giannis is obviously better around the rim, but mm-hmm. you watched Holiday and Middleton get to the rim and attack the rim. And then Middleton just put on his shooting display. But part of that is they're getting they're getting to start their their turn on offense, if you will, mm-hmm. with like 16 seconds left in the shot clock instead of it being eight seconds left in the shot clock. Mm-hmm. And Hall, neither Holiday nor Middleton are uber athletes. They are run-of-the-mill athletic-wise. They're not able to, you know, they don't have that one move where they can just get their shot all the time. They they have to create their shot. They have to use moves, kind of like Luca. even. Luca has his step back, but other than the step back, when you see his highlights, a lot of it's three or four dribble moves, breaking his defender down, and then shooting over them. Holiday and Middleton are similar that way. And when you don't give them time to work, they're not going to be as effective. Having Giannis out, it kind of unclogs the offense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that point. Um, just you're exactly right. I think if Giannis comes back, Bud's going to have to do something regarding staggering the minutes, I think, because. I think Drew and Chris deserve time out there with the PJ Tucker, Bobby Portis, Brooke Lopez kind of combo and Giannis really running a, a four round one, because when they show the breakdown of his shots, when he's really dominating the game, Giannis, it's everything's within 10 feet. There's too many X's outside and not even, I would, I would point out not even Giannis look at the last game they played. Without Giannis, I want to say I heard on another podcast they had like 28 points in the paint in the first quarter. Mm-hmm. They, when the Bucks realize how big they are and take advantage of that size, even without Giannis, they're so much bigger than everyone else that they play. And part of that's another one of the reasons I have written down as to why I think the Bucks can win. I think the biggest key in this entire series is DeAndre Ayton's ability to rebound the basketball. Mm-hmm. I don't think I don't think Middleton's shot making. I don't think Giannis's injury. I don't think Devin Booker getting hot is. I don't think any of that is as important as DeAndre Ayton's ability to rebound the ball because the Bucks killed the Hawks on those second chance points and. Even if they didn't kill them on those second chance points, the ball got tipped around enough that the Bucks guards got back on defense and they were able to, to set up their defense. There's, there's a big difference in a, def, a set defense and a not set defense. And if, 
if your defense is set and you're as good as the Bucks, that's a huge advantage to have. But if DeAndre Ayton can rebound the ball cleanly and get get them out running, they can take advantage of that Bucks size by beating it with speed. Yeah, that's an excellent point actually about the rebounding because I find I found that Capella was doing too much tipping. He wasn't grabbing it with two hands or trying to bring in the rebound. He was trying to tip it out to somebody because Brooke Lopez had done an excellent job of boxing him out on the play. And I think, I don't think Brooke Lopez is the one you want guarding Aiton, but Giannis is going to be potentially too compromised to guard him because if they put Giannis on Aiton, it's just going to be Booker and CP3 going pick and roll all day long to bring Giannis on them and try and take advantage of him. Aiton, it really is his series because he does need to rebound. Like you said, he does need to play well offensively and he needs to play well defensively to stop. He'll be on Brooke Lopez. And I think he's going to do a better job than Capella was able to do, but it's your, the rebounding is key because the Bucks really do an excellent job of chasing the ball when the ball is being tipped around on a rebound, especially in an offensive rebound. Connaughton's just, you know, throwing his body out there. PJ Tucker doesn't care about his body. Bobby Portis is playing for his next contract. And they, they just are, have they are relentless. Yeah. It's funny though, we're actually we're almost the exact opposite because you said you think Brooke Lopez shouldn't be on Aiden. You think they should hide Brooke Lopez on Jay Crowder, I'm assuming? I don't know what to do with Brooke Lopez. I, just I, think, think, he, I think he's fine on Aiden. But, again, I think, he, I think he showed last series that if he can switch on to Trey Young and hold his own, I think he can switch on to Devin Booker and hold his own when he has to. When Holiday can't get over the screen and recover, I think Lopez has shown that he can do enough. But I, I think it's risky to have Aiden on Lopez because Lopez is such a stretch threat. Mm-hmm. The, jazz, the Jazz failed because Rudy Gobert was pulled away from the rim and there was no one to protect the rim when he was pulled away. It wasn't that Rudy couldn't guard on the perimeter. It was that the Utah Jazz had no answer at the rim when Rudy wasn't there. That's going to be the case for the Suns. If Lopez is pulling Aiden out to the three-point line every play, who's who's in the paint stopping Bobby Portis and P.J. Tucker and all these other relentless guys? Yeah, I'd, honestly, I'd probably put Jay Crowder on Brooke Lopez if I can because I want Aiden down low. I, they're going to have to – defensively, where, they're going to have to do something. That's where I that's what I said. I thought so to me it's you put DeAndre Ayton on PJ Tucker in the corner. And if you if you really want to keep him out, say you really want to keep him out of the pick and roll and you want to keep him to where he can try and help off of a three-point shooter in the paint. If you see PJ Tucker go up to screen, whoever's guarding Brooke Lopez's guy he can go up like they can have it set the defense set to to rotate on the, you know without the ball, but Aiden could even switch on to Lopez while Lopez's guy went on to Tucker to cover the pick and roll. They can do that every once in a while just to mix up their defensive coverages. Mm-hmm. And, but to me, 
the Bucks will the Bucks will be able to beat the Suns if they can if they can keep Aiton away from the rim and just feast at the rim like they have been every time they've been at the rim in the, this entire playoff this this entire postseason. That, yeah, that's an excellent point. I think it's gonna it's gonna be very interesting. We're gonna see if Monty Williams is able to adjust because I I really think that Aiton needs to be near the rim and he he can guard on the perimeter on a pick and roll. I just think he's best at the rim protecting it. Like you said, the Bucks are just going to be attacking the rim all night long, especially if Giannis isn't there. It's just going to be Drew and Chris Middleton. And I'll live with PJ Tucker standing in the corner, taking three pointers. That's fine. He was one for seven in game six. Like right. that, that's, and, that's cool. <laughs> and now me saying I would hide Deandre Ayton on Tucker. That's not me faulting no, Ayton's no. ability to hurt to defend on the perimeter. That's me not wanting Jay Crowder as my rim protection. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You're exactly right. I think you almost have to go kind of a matchup, almost a matchup zone is what they'll have to do. Cause you, if the bucks are smart, they will try and pull Aiton away from the rim and get, and open it up because Jay Crowder is a better perimeter defender than a rim protector. And, but you don't want Aiton on Lopez because Lopez can stretch it out. So it's it's going to be a tricky situation, I think. And I'm very excited now that we're really thinking about the matchup for that. I, I'm really going to be watching those defensive possessions and offensive possessions for Milwaukee to see what they do. And if, but if you don't have Aiton on Lopez, Lopez has gotten to uh, show the world his post chops these last couple yeah. games even. So when you post him on Jay Crowder, that's a problem. Like it's like you said, it's the matchup problem. <laughs> and I know you picked the Suns, and that's because they're they're amazing on offense. They Mikel Bridges is a he's an excellent perimeter defender. Devin Booker is doing a Kobe Light impersonation, and Chris Paul's probably been the best player in these last couple rounds. He he's like the uh, I'm trying to think. He's like the guy who can see the entire battlefield. If you're playing mm -hmm. like a one of these computer strategy games, yeah. you know how like the whole the whole map is fogged over. He's like the one guy who has access to the entire map. Yeah, and it's it's like watching it's like watching him play NBA 2K on rookie. Mm -hmm. He just gets to where he needs to be. He knows what the defense is going to do, and he's he's just eating. And it's really hard to pick against him. So. Yeah, yeah, he's he's putting everybody in the right place. He was the exact right pickup. I've heard on other pods basically the outline of the record before Chris Paul and then the record the teams have after they get Chris Paul. And a lot of teams were bad before, but like the Suns basically just picked up Chris Paul. <laughs> like they had the momentum going in from the bubble. I think it was a combination of the bubble plus getting Chris Paul was just that's all they needed to do we saw them go eight no in the bubble they were phenomenal they and also he, added jay crowder oh yeah that's true that's true we did talk about that earlier in the season how the heat were basically missing chris jay crowder and jay crowder was really helping the suns so those are two key pickups i think that really helped the team i for defensively i'm just mikhail bridges i think has to go on chris middleton you want Jay Crowder to cover Lopez slash Chris Middleton if they get switched on to him. And then 
Devin Booker, I kind of think is the person you hide on PJ Tucker. If you're going to hide anybody defensively and Chris Paul is going to get, I think Chris Paul goes on, goes on drew holiday as well. And just kind of, he'll get in his shirt. I I'm looking forward to the CP three Chris or drew holiday matchup. Cause I think drew holiday is going to be all over CP three on the ball. And then, or do you put him on Devin Booker? I think you put Middleton on Booker. Booker, okay. Yeah, and I think you put Holiday on Paul. Okay, yeah. Is what I would do. Um, I'm not bad, obviously. but No, but I, I Holiday was just the game five and six against Trey, or game six against Trey, he just, Trey wasn't 100% and he knew it, and he just got in his shirt, picked him up at half court, didn't let him do anything. And it was what, who did they play in the round before? The Nets. The Nets. It, it was what the Nets weren't doing when they were trying to take away Trey, but then Trey was able to do other things. And that's oh, the 76ers was, played. The- sorry, 76ers. Yes, it was the 76ers because they they were trying to get up in Trey's business, but the rest of the team wasn't covering the back end. And I think that's where Brooke Lopez has really shown the growth, especially on Trey, because those first couple games, Trey was just drop in those floaters all over the place on the drop coverage. And right. And then Lopez started playing up a lot higher and yeah. he, everyone just thought he wasn't athletic enough to do it. And he just proved everybody wrong. Yeah. He's tall. He's, and especially the fact that he can stretch it out. I think the game where Collins was gone for most of it, cause he picked up his fourth foul in like the end of the first half or something just yeah. disappeared like that was that was a tough one because John Collins was kind of the player that they couldn't guard and the fact that he was just gone for a game, almost like a whole half because of the four fouls yeah it, just it helped shut him the it, yeah the, the Hawks just kind of uh were limping out of the gate on that one mm-hmm. so it, I I'm really looking forward to this series I think it's going to be a good chess match Bud will change his narrative it like this this is the series i if they lose in horrible fashion does he get fired do you think or just no, make him the final it, save it they made it to the finals they made it to the finals without Giannis in the last couple games mm-hmm. i the, i don't think there's any way he gets fired okay okay so, yeah no it's it's going to be a great series i can't wait to watch the the chess match of it all Holiday and Chris Paul, like you said, I think that's probably my favorite matchup to watch on that end. Because Holiday knows where Chris Paul wants to be on the floor, and he's going to try and beat him to his spots. You're going to see a lot of flopping. It'll be interesting how the refs call the game. Mm-hmm. If they call it tight, Holiday's not going to be able to guard Paul very long because Paul will flop him right out of the game. Yeah. And then the other end, it's got to be Middleton and Bridges as the most fun matchup, right? Yeah, yeah, because I think you put P.J. Tucker on Devin Booker, right? Yeah, or, yeah, I think you have Devin Booker guard P.J. Tucker. And then you have Chris Paul guard. Oh, sorry, yeah, okay, so we're on the Milwaukee, yeah. Yeah, I was talking about the other side. Bridges on Middleton, yeah, that's the absolute, that's that's going to be the fun to watch on that end. Yes, that is going to be the fun matchup on that end because Mikhail Bridges is, it's funny how people are like, oh, my God, he's so good. And it's like he was the most outstanding player on a championship winning team in Villanova <laughs> when right. he didn't of even win did. national player of the year. <laughs> yeah, it's just a lot of fun stuff. Uh, 
So there's our transition because we're talking about fun stuff, but you want to be a downer and you want to talk about the not fun stuff happening in the NBA. Yeah, we were going to, I was thinking, I decided not to reach out yesterday because we're recording this Monday, July 5th as a preview before these starts tomorrow is game one. Tomorrow. The series. So thank Thank God. Uh, it was a rough yeah, it was a rough day yesterday without all the sports. I didn't know what to do, but I decided to take a break. Um, the Rachel Nichols, if you have been living in a cave, some a New York Times article came out about Rachel Nichols' comments she made early at the beginning of the bubble last year before while she was in quarantine with Adam Mendelson, who, if you're unaware, he's an advisor to LeBron James, and I'm just going to find his titles here because he's... He's like one of the higher-ups at LeBron's More Than a Vote campaign. Yes. Trying to get the black vote out. Yeah, he's a political and communications strategist with the giant private equity firm TPG. He worked with Arnold Schwarzenegger and was his deputy chief of staff when he was the governor of California. And yeah, he's the co-founder of More Than a Vote with LeBron James. And they I knew have, he was pretty high up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know, he's white. So this is two people, two white people talking, a white female and a white male. And Rachel Nichols was complaining because she had been told when she got to the bubble that Maria Taylor at ESPN was going to be taking over the pregame and postgame and halftime shows as the host. And I guess Rachel Nichols had, it was in her contract. I've heard stuff about that, that it was in her contract that she was going to be getting that job. Have you seen anything about that? I, that's, I read that somewhere too. I don't even remember yeah. where I saw that, but yeah, the gist of it was she was there in the bubble and Taylor was going to take her spot as the host. And Nichols was complaining about it behind the scenes, mm-hmm. basically saying, I don't, I know ESPN has been taking a hit because of their diversity, but they're not going to screw me out of my job to put a black person in there. Yeah. And she didn't say it exactly like that, but that's it. So the quote was so she was talking to Mendelssohn, she was talking about how they said, So they said to me, hey, instead of hosting the NBA Finals, how about you do Doris' sideline reporter job for the NBA Finals? And and then she goes, because guess what that would clear the way for? Maria Taylor to do it full time. And she declined that, saying she likes and enjoys what Maria Taylor has done, all the success she has. But she felt that she was only getting hired because of quote, crappy long-time record on diversity, end quote, from ESPN. And she said, quote, which, by the way, I know personally from the female side of it, like, go for it, just find it somewhere else. You are not going to find it from me or taking my thing away. And I posted on Twitter today, basically, that to be an ally, white people need to make sacrifices and need to understand that we are going to lose things. And clearly, Rachel Nichols is not okay with that because she's equating Maria Taylor as having gone through the exact same thing that Rachel Nichols has gone through at ESPN. Someone on Twitter made the joke that Rachel Nichols is, she's the white Democrat lady who votes to put the homeless people in jail. 
to keep them out of her neighborhood. Oh yeah. Uh, I thought that was kind of a poignant, poignant tweet. It's you hear her talk about being a woman in sports, and I know it's very difficult being a woman in sports, mm-hmm. but she she talks about that like it's the same exact thing as being a black woman in sports. And the two are two very different things. Mm-hmm. And like you said, as white people, we have to be we have to understand that part of part of reparations for lack of a better word is if me and you are if me and Marcus are equally qualified for a job, Marcus is going to get that job because he's black and because we've been holding black people back for so long that when things are equal, you give it to the minority. It would be the same with a woman or with someone of Asian descent, like Mexican, you know, Latin descent. Their white men feel attacked because things are getting more equal because things are becoming equal. And part of that adjustment to equal is the removal of these white men or white people being in these positions to make way for the other diversities. Mm -hmm. Because you'll you'll never get to equal if you try and treat everybody equal now, because you have to make up for the fact that things have not been equal for so long. Like if you let's look at it from a stock standpoint, if you lose 20 percent on your stock one year, you don't it's not like, okay, I'll just get 20 percent to make that up. It's like, no, you have to make like 28 percent to make up that loss of 20% because now you're starting at a lower base. So if we just start hiring 50% men and 50% women for future jobs, that's not going to create equality or 50% white people, 50% black people, because there's already a disproportionate amount of white males in the job. You're just keeping things status quo (laughs) as the way that they've been going. Right. And I know the like the problems are at the at the ground level it's mostly white males it's mostly white males coaching in high schools and middle schools and these sorts of things and that trickles up into not having as many candidates that aren't white males but that that gets back to my previous point you have Nichols and you have Taylor I would say Taylor has shown to be more knowledgeable as a basketball analysis. Even Nichols is a great host. I, I, I've en- I enjoy her on the jump for the most part, you know, she's, you know, she's a white woman ally and she's not like, a, you know, she's not super down for the cause, you know, um, she's not pointing out that Ruth Bader Ginsburg should have retired way before she did. And we wouldn't have had Kavanaugh in the first place type lady. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've, we've known all of this. She's a fine host, but when you have Taylor and you have Nichols and they're both equally qualified, Taylor should get the gig because she's the minority. That's how we are allies by lifting these people up, not by dragging them down behind the scenes and having it get shown from a private recording. Yeah. And you're exactly right about that. I want to pull up this quote that uh, from the New York Times article that it was, so she goes, um, 
quote, those same people who are like generally white conservative male Trump voters is part of the reason I've had a hard time at ESPN. I basically finally just outworked everyone for so long that they had to recognize it. I don't want to then be a victim of them trying to play catch up for the same damage that affected me in the first place. You know what I mean? I'm just trying to be nice. And that gets to your point where she's equating being a female as the same as being a black female and not taking into account that Maria Taylor has had to deal with sexism and racism. And in the article, it says multiple black ESPN employees said they told one another after hearing the conversation that it confirmed their suspicions that outwardly supportive white people talk differently behind closed doors. And I think that's that sums it up right there is Rachel Nichols really isn't an ally because to be an ally, you have to be willing to make sacrifices. I am currently up for a job and I've told myself I will only be mad if a less qualified white male gets the job <laughs> because I, I'm basically at the top of the totem pole and that's the only people I'm competing with. <laughs> right. And I, There's not a lot to say. Like we've no, been it, through, we've been through that. Like we we go through this. It seems like every couple of weeks, some you know, some white person gets exposed for doing something stupid and showing their true colors. It is what it is. I I hope that I hope what we get from this because I know that Rachel Nichols is going to get an outpouring of support from the people that she's made friends with because. Like she said, she has worked her way up there, but you don't work your way up through a company like that without having allies. And she's going to have those allies defending her. She's going to have the people she helped put on defending her. But what I want to see from it is more Black women being promoted on ESPN products, hopefully. Mm -hmm. And it would have been really easy. Like this is what really fucking pisses me off. It would have been super easy for Rachel to support Taylor to go into the bubble and be like, I'm in the bubble. You can, you know, I'm do, do, doing all this. So everybody let's celebrate Taylor and her success and to lift her up. I'm sure Taylor seems to be rather supportive of other people at ESPN mm -hmm. that are supportive of her. So I feel like if Rachel had been supportive of her, she would have got that same support back. Mm -hmm. And instead of this fighting and bickering, they could have lifted each other. Like Rachel could have used her clout to lift everyone up above this. And instead she just chose to use that clout to drag it down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. It's, it's an unfortunate situation. It's absolutely despicable. And I don't want Adam Mendelson to skate by on this because he was also very problematic in the conversation. And that really isn't getting talked about enough. Like I said, he works with LBJ, LeBron James and helps him with the black voting and everything like that. And he decided to go quote, I don't know. I'm exhausted between me too and black lives matter. I've got nothing left. And Rachel laughed at that. I'm sorry, white male that, sexual assault victims are starting to stand up and black people are starting to say they don't want to be killed by cops. I'm sorry. That's exhausting to you. That is like, I want more talked about this portion of it. I want LeBron James's quote about this because <laughs> he, 
he ref- in the New York Times piece, they called Adam Mendelson about his comments. And he said that he was supporting um, Maria Taylor, like he thought that she was qualified and all that. But he just he declined to address this quote about how he's saying he's exhausted by these people acting, asking for, you know, <laughs> consequences of the people that have held them down and oppressed them. And I just, I, I, I think that's just as problematic as Rachel and what I, she said. Because really, uh, as a white person, my comment about me, too, as a white male, my comment about me too and Black Lives Matter is good for them. I hope they get justice. That's my comment. <laughs> like, right. But I wish there were, like, I wish he would have given some context because on its face, it's, it's terrible. Like, but there are also situations where I would understand someone saying this. So uh, back when the protest happened and everything was fucking popping off, mm-hmm. I live, I live in a town with like 18,000 people. The Ku Klux Klan literally used to have their summer rallies there. The, the park was called Klan Park until after World War II. Um, they still uh, sympathize with the Nazi prisoners that were that, that were kept, that were kept there. They still have Klan rallies on a regular basis. They try and march in our parades. So the Klan is active around here. I I was one of the focal points of the the people putting on the protests around here, and it was very taxing. Like I, this is something I haven't told anyone. I've never even told Marcy this. So. I went to high school with this guy named Eli. He had an older brother. I don't remember what his name was, but his older brother was dating this girl named Bobby. And I ran into both of them at my work at Lowe's and she needed to use my phone to call him to find him. She used my phone to call his phone. And, you know, they... They meet up. I don't think anything about it. This is like two months before the protests. So these protests happen. I, I'm catching flack from all sorts of people for doing this. And it's like 9.30 at night, 10 o'clock at night. My phone rings and it's a number I don't recognize, but I go ahead and I answer it. And it's just this guy's voice. And he's talking about how I you know, I'm an in lover and I need to watch what the fuck I'm doing. And I need to remember that I'm white or something's going to happen. And then he hangs up. So I call it back and she answers the chick, the Bobby chick. Yeah. And she goes, I go, what the fuck was that? And she goes, Oh, he's drunk. Don't mind him. No. And like, if you like, if someone else had heard that, like if that had been on speakerphone, I very, I very likely would have been like, man, I'm so fucking exhausted with this shit. Mm-hmm. And so, like, that's why, that's why context matters so much to me. Like, I don't. This guy, I, he's the co-founder of this of this organization, trying to get the vote out. We talked about these arenas, putting in. We were like, come vote here. Remember how we got all excited about that? Yeah. Come vote here. So say this guy plays a big part in that. Did you see how many states, after they organized that, just flat out refused to use them? Yeah. Like, 
for all, like for all I know, part of his saying, man, I'm exhausted is I'm exhausted with dealing with these politicians who just keep shutting down everything I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. Like there, that's why I wish he would have provided context because now he just looks like a douchebag. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're exactly right. He definitely needs, and that's where I think. But I want to like my pushback is I I hate I don't like that there's this blanket concept that white people white allies can't also get tired they can't also get beaten down by the work because mm-hmm. putting in the work matters and putting in the work does take a toll on everyone but white people need to recognize we can turn that switch on and off black mm-hmm. people every time they go out women every time they go out they're dealing with this. And that's like, that's the difference. That's, that's an amazing point for this conversation because you're exactly right. We can turn it on and off. It's exa- like, like I was saying yesterday, I decided I had the article pulled up in my computer and I decided not to read it because I was like, I want to relax today. I don't want to get worked up because this morning I got worked up reading the article and listening to the audio. But like you said, black people, they can't turn it on and off. Women can't turn on and off the fact that they get sexually harassed every day. I know more survivors than non-survivors of the Me Too movement. Like that's unfortunate. That's an unfortunate reality. So I think he should have answered for that and put context into it. And I thought the New York Times gave him a reason to, but he decided not to take it. So that's where I think he needs to be held accountable for what he says until he actually answers it. But it might be at this point, it's too late for me because you've had the chance and it's exhausting, like you said. I, I'm, I'm there with you on. He yeah. had his chance to, to comment when, and he commented about, he commented on the tape, but he didn't address those comments on the tape. <laughs> so if, like, if, if it was really the case of he's a real ally and he's just going fucking through it, or okay, if he's really just an ally and he's going through it, then when you get asked about it after the fact, once you have a chance to sleep and reflect a little, you realize that, that those comments are going to be taken out of context. That's why they're calling you. Yeah. Like they're not calling you to ask your opinion on this thing for like be, they're, they're calling you because you're featured and people are talking about this. And if you know, people are talking about it, if you're a real ally, you look at it from that perspective and you're like, well, they need to know why I said this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's Whereas just, he's, I think he's looking at it like damage control. Rachel hasn't said anything. ESPN hasn't commented. LeBron hasn't commented. I need to just keep my mouth shut. Yeah. Uh, Maria got the job because she was qualified. Keep it moving. Like it's. So it was that's, a PR response. It was not yeah. a, it wasn't a, a response from an ally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where I think it's just, we need to, especially as white people, we need to reevaluate how we look at things and do things. And we have to be willing to make sacrifices. Like I said, if I don't get the job because they hire a minority, I'm not going to be upset, even if they're less qualified than me, because the company, the company that I applied for is all about equal opportunity and is about community and helping and uplifting. So I'll know that I'll, I'll understand why they made the hire. So that's being a true ally, is sacri- making a sacrifice when you've had everything given to you. Look at so you, long. good white knight. I'm not trying to be. It's just I, but I no, totally, like that, it's the most I can thing. do. I don't have enough money to donate to all these causes. I don't live in an area where we're doing a ton hey, of rallies. You, you didn't you didn't celebrate Marv Albert, so that's a win. Yeah, no, that was <laughs> Marv Albert. Oh my god. 
<laughs> but yeah, right, so, do the sign off. All right, yeah, guys, so, you, uh, I, I just wanted to take a little cheap shot at Marv Albert. Hey, we all enjoy we all enjoy attacking those that everybody have taken wanted. Jobs. Like we we wanted to talk about Billups and Kid, and they're getting jobs. They're not riding off into the sunset, so they should definitely be more prominent. But when you talk about Marv Albert Marv Albert retiring, you got to bring up the fact that he's a fucking creep. So mm-hmm. yeah, I like I remember that before the internet, where he just kind of disappeared, and no one really knew why he was on the broadcast. And then you get the internet now, and you're like, oh, okay, that makes sense. I'm not sure why he came back, but okay. <laughs> so please check us out on Twitter at Charity Strike Twenty Three. You can follow Trey at Final Finally. He's got some great stuff going up on hoop-social.com. He's been networking. He's getting a, hoping to get us some more guests so that we can keep this podcast going. Recommend it to all your friends. Subscribe. YouTube, Charity Stripe Commentary. People do his- like the guests. You Sorry? Need to get some, you, people do like the guests. Yeah, they do. And I, you should I get a guest. Talking. Who are you, you going to get, man? I don't know. Hey, you're you're the networker. You're doing so much better than me on Twitter. <laughs> uh, we'll have, I'll try we'll to holler. At, we'll have to holler at Bethany. Isn't that in that your better half's name? Get yeah, the yeah. I'll have to get her to mark to market for us to get us. She's she's get, looking at getting some new some new things. We were just talking about that before I got on the call. She's looking at some new things to help some of her clients grow their YouTube pages. So we'll have to hire her to grow our YouTube page and everything like that. Oh, I so, wanted to ask her what she thinks of Kevin Durant's brand. <laughs> She's like, <"Who?" laughs> my wife knows nothing about sports. She always comments that I withheld my love from sports with, from her until we got married. She, <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, but please subscribe, recommend it to your friends, share, follow us on Twitter. I'm at an angry white dad on Twitter, as well as at Schwinnigan 23 for my non-angry takes and more sports oriented takes. I've got two Twitter handles and please subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thank you so much. Talk to you later, Trey.
Okay, so I say we lead with the finals preview. Sure. Finals talk. Yeah. And then we can talk about your Rachel Nichols crush. You're hilarious. <laughs> How is the echo in here? Is it is it all right? Yeah, no, you sound fine. Okay, I took a couple things out, so I wanted to make sure. Gotta get a little handy dandy notebook, man. Oh, I've I've tried that. I just I just get all these notes everywhere. <laughs> it gets ridiculous. yeah. I've I've got a bunch of tabs up too. I'm, I'm really bullshitting. I've just got like the main things I wanted to make sure I remembered. Yeah, no, it's, uh, I wish I, I honestly want to get like a second screen action going. I know. So I... <laughs> that would be the life, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I've got things you know, started. Definitely more of a dog fight, or uh, you better cut that. <laughs>